Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to share with you a wonderful guest, Josh Perry. And Josh is someone that I met at the Metabolic Health Summit in Long Beach back in February. And I was at the gala dinner to support the Charlie Foundation, which if you don't know what that is, we'll talk about that and everyone should look that up. And they played a video, a little mini documentary of this guy talking about his brain tumor diagnosis and using keto. And um, I wanted to talk to him, but then also I saw in the video that Josh was pouring a Primal Kitchen dressing on one of his salads, and I was like, okay, I definitely definitely now need to for sure meet him. Um, welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks so much, Ella. It's it's uh, it's such an honor actually to be talking with you and on this podcast. And yeah, like you said, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Primal Kitchen and anything Marxist, and so I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, so you are a formal, sorry, former, not formal, professional BMX athlete. And let's, you're now a motivational speaker and a certified holistic health coach. And it says in your bio, you're fighting for brain tumors. And when I heard you go through the video and say, well, that was my third diagnosis, I was like, oh my God, what's happening? Like, I need to talk to this guy. This sounds like an incredible journey. So let's start. You're you're a BMX, you're biking around, and then when do things start to go wrong? Yeah, so it was uh, March of 2010 where I fell one day training in and hit my head. Now, the year prior in 2009 was my first X Games appearance, and it was my second or third year competing. I think it was my third year competing professionally. And at this time, I had moved away. I actually dropped out of high school when I was uh, 17 and moved away from Cape Cod, Massachusetts to Greenville, North Carolina to train with Dave Muir and the other you know, professionals I looked up to and became friends with and competitors. And they'd mentor me and all, the, all that great thing, great things. And I was just so like, I was living my dream. I was on top of the world. I just wrote X Games, like childhood dream come true, not to mention Dave Muir is a friend of mine now. Like who knew that that would be a possibility? And, you know, throughout that 2009 year, I'd been going to the emergency or emergency room and urgent care multiple times where my friends, they'd have to bring me in because I couldn't, I couldn't drive because these debilitating headaches and migraines that my vision would start to go or I'd start vomiting and it was so severe. And every time they told me and I'd ask for a scan, they said, no, you don't need one. You're young, you're fit, you're healthy, you're in shape. You just have headaches, perfectly normal. A lot of people have headaches. So they just chalked it up to you're a person who has headaches? Yeah, and then they just send me home with a pain pill prescription and tell me to come back if I needed more. And it, you know, moving forward, March 2010, where I hit my head, that actually was deemed necessary now for an MRI. And that's when they accidentally uh, diagnosed me with the first brain tumor. It was, it was on accident looking for a concussion report, you know, or looking at a concussion report. Um, okay, so let that be a lesson to the audience. If you're having those kind of symptoms and they keep telling you to take some aspirin and call the, <laughs> sleep on it, maybe you should push harder. Um, but also, so this is the first diagnosis. I, I can only imagine. Um, I was practically crying watching your documentary mini video on on this story. You must have been in denial. I mean, what what does that feel like? They tell you, oh, you have a brain tumor. What what do you do? Yeah, so I had never really thought about brain tumors or anything. You know, my, and my mom battled colon cancer for a while, and she's she's doing well today. 
So, you know, cancer was kind of relevant, but she had been fine at that point. So it kind of was not a thing. And that was the last, like, it wasn't even on the last thing on my list to think like, oh, these headaches could be a brain tumor. I wasn't, I was so ignorant to it. And it shows like there's so much that goes on that we don't know about that people deal with until it happens to you. And so when I was diagnosed, I'll never forget the doctor walks in and I'm by myself, by the way, like this, this day I was able to drive to my appointment just for the, you know, the checkup. But, um, I was by myself. I just, I thought I was getting an MRI report and a concussion, you know, and the doctor walks in and he's like, yeah, Josh, we got your, your MRI report. And, um, there's no swelling, no bleeding. So that checks out, but there's something in your brain that shouldn't be there. And I remember asking like, well, what could possibly be in my brain and put anything in there, you know, like what, what, what is it? <laughs> and he, he went on to say, well, it's a large mass taking up a good, good portion of the left side of your brain. And at this point, we don't know if it's benign or cancerous. And when he said cancerous, like my heart sunk and it just like, you know, it just, it just like, I was like, wow, like, man, I'm going to die, you know? And then he went on to say, you'll probably never ride your bike again. It'll be difficult for you to get it back to daily t- uh, tasks and activities. And if you want a shot at living, you have to have the surgery immediately. And there's still a chance you may not survive. And then right then and there, I just, I heard, you know, cancer, never going to ride your bike again, you may die. And I just was like, the best way I can put it was there were so many emotions running through me. I felt broken and then instantly went to the victim mentality of why me? What did I do to deserve this? Yep. Am I a bad person? Like that's the first, like, beyond death, that was the first set of things that came to mind. You know, that's such an important point you made. It happens to all of us. It doesn't matter what the ailment is or what the situation is. Cause you know, I, I'm, uh, my arms got disabled at the age of 23. Um, I live a normal life, but I, I have a permanent disability and also then got hit with hypothyroidism years later, which I fixed. But both times, it definitely was a like, especially the first, like, why me? You do have this moment of like, what did I do? What did I do to deserve this? It's a really horrible victim self-defeating situation. And then we later find out they are gifts, right? And we'll yep. talk about that in a minute. So I just also want to say to the audience, uh, Josh is riding his bike just fine. So that doctor really threw a declaration of a future for you that I don't like that he just put out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's one thing to say, hey, you might need to look into surgery. It's another thing to say, you're never going to ride your bike again. Um, Okay, so what happens there? You have a brain tumor. Did you do the surgery? What was the protocol from there on? Yeah, and you mentioned something that's really uh, close to my heart before I answer that, and that's the suggestion that came from that doctor. I call it noise, and it's what Tony Robbins (laughs) often talks about, like priming our brain. You know, like Jim Quick and Dr. Joe Dispenza, like all these three people are all about the, the suggestions that we can give our brain ourselves or that we can consume from media or people or events. And it's at the end of the day, it's, it's you make the choice of what you're going to let soak in and you're going to be your reality. And it's, it's such an important tool that I've learned now consciously, but BMX has taught me the whole time because failure, for example, isn't failure. It's just information moving forward, but it's a choice and perspective to see it that way. So when that doctor told me you're going to never ride your bike again, I took that for what he said at first and for that face value. But then over time I was like, no, like I turned it into fuel to prove him wrong. And that's how my early success was. It was manifested by spite to prove people wrong, especially, you know, abusive stepfather that was in my life. And, you know, all these people like teachers, you know, tell me I wasn't going to make this happen. I was like, well, watch, you know, and later on I've turned it into more love and appreciation for my life and to serve people and support them. But uh, I think that's really important to note is like, 
you know, what you hear from other people, whether it's your family, a doctor, a friend, a stranger, it's not end all be all. You ultimately decide your path and your fate for life. So, uh, you know what? And I want to highlight something you said before you talk about the surgery or what happened with the first brain tumor, because you mentioned Joe Dispenza. He's one of my favorite authors of all time. I'm trying to get him on the podcast forever. Um, If people don't know his story, please look up Joe Dispenza. He's one of the most incredible. He started off becoming sort of famous in the ether of self-help when he was in a movie called What the Bleep Do We Know? And then he wrote a book called Evolve Your Brain, which is the first book I read of his. His story of healing is unbelievably miraculous. And so I I just challenge anyone to go look up Joe Dispenza's health story and how he even got into this game, but great recommendation. Okay, so now they're like, you have this brain tumor, you got to have surgery now. Now what happens? So it was like a three-week process of diagnosis to surgery. And the first steps, of course, I, I run out mid, you know, visit with the doctor. The first doctor diagnosed me at the urgent care and I just couldn't handle it. So I try to call my mom. It doesn't work. She instantly knows something's wrong. I finally get it out. You know, that that whole story. But uh you know, from from diagnosis to surgery, it kind of happened quick, and the mentality shifted really quick too. And there's three things I want to mention about that: the BMX community being worldwide, and me having a name in the community, and then people just hearing my story, reaching out for support, and let let you know let me know that they're you know thinking about me and they love me. Like that helped. Uh, my mom's story battling colon cancer with a smile on her face every day and hiding it from me my early years, leaving home so that way I could succeed, which is only a mom thing. Like you know, not and no one besides a mom could do that. And and then, uh, you know, her, her strength, I think, you know, was passed down to me. But then Lance Armstrong, and he's someone I've been trying to meet for like nine years. I have an email saved from uh, my diagnosis and, you know, I never made it to him. But, you know, his story, and I don't like to like, say things are better or worse for people because I think everyone has their own experience and there's no judgment over, you know, something catastrophic like that. But in my mind, this was a man that had three times the amount of negativity happening to him and he was able to get back on his bike, you know, and people can say what they want, but the fact of what he went through and then to get back riding his bike, let alone to that level was phenomenal. And so those three components really, uh, you know, made up my my fuel. And the, during that three-week transition from diagnosis to surgery, I turned it from victim and why me, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to die to like, no, I'm I, I'm not done. Like I, I yeah, just, I'm going to prevail. I, I was yeah. three months, like, three or four months. I had just turned 21 prior to that, November of 2009. So I was like, I'm not done. Like this is my dream, you know, I'm living it. And I just kept visualizing via watching videos of me riding, competing and other riders and just thinking about what I wanted to do. And so when I met with Dr. Alan Friedman at Duke University, he actually moved his schedule around to fit me in sooner and pushed all the other patients out of the way because he told me he was like if you never hit your head you're lucky you hit your head because if you never hit your head that day you'd be dead because you have about another month or two in the route you were taking that you wouldn't have woken up one day oh my gosh so you would have been dead in a couple of months had they not literally that crash like that's why i say bmx has saved my life more than one way that was the first way it, it, if I hadn't hit my head, they wouldn't have found the tumor. And you know, to, I will say too, all the times they gave me the you know the Percocets or the Vicodin, whatever it was, I never took them because I had a traumatic experience when I was younger that I you know contributed me vomiting to the aspirin or whatever it was I took. But the last time I went in, ironically, two weeks before that crash, I took them. And luckily, I wasn't driving because I projectile vomited in the car. And then we had to pull over. And then just it just turned into blood. And just I was surrounding myself by my own blood, thinking I'm dying. But the doctor's telling me I'm fine. So I'm utterly confused. But then I just go on. And then one day, I'm fine. The vision's OK. I fall, hit my head, get the MRI. Um, but yeah, it was a three-week process from diagnosis to surgery. And Dr. Freeman sped it up. 
because he told me, yeah, you, you don't have much time and you're really lucky you hit your head. So it's one of those worst case scenario things turns out to be the best part of my life. And people say, I mean, that's got to be the worst thing that ever happened to you. And I'm like, no, not it's at the all. Best thing. It's an amazing yeah. thing. Like it, it changed me in so many ways, but most importantly, it took me from being on self to on purpose and a purpose to help people not suffer. And that's like my mission. I don't want people to suffer. I love that. So when the doctor removed the brain tumor, um, what was the diagnosis after that? Like, Hey, we got it all and it's benign or what was the review? So it ended up being six hours, an hour and a half longer than it should have taken because the complications of the tumor wrapping itself around an artery and my optic nerve, which made sense as to what I was having all these vision problems. But he said he got it all, and they tested it. It was said to be benign, and it was a four-week process that the skull fuses back together in four weeks. I didn't, I had no clue. I was looking up YouTube videos of brain surgeries, you know, the nights before. I was watching one of the Saw movies where he cuts open someone's head. Like I was. <laughs> I was just like, I want to know what's going to happen. I freaked myself out because I learned that some brain surgeries are done while the patient's awake. Thankfully, I was out. But uh, he, yeah, he said he got it all. You know, that four-week mark, I went and got the MRI. Everything checked out. I have four titanium screws in my my skull now. But uh, on week five, I got back on my bike. And I thought that was the most profound thing I could have fathomed. You know, I thought, best case scenario, I'm not riding for a year. Very ignorant. Didn't do much research at all. I just was looking at the surgery and just getting it done. I was back on my bike in five weeks, and I was doing backflips like another week or two later. And then competing April 16th was my surgery. I was competing mid-July in, uh, where was I? I was in England. I was in uh, actually, yeah, the UK or so. And um, top 10, my first one was back, and I was blown away. Now, the story obviously continues because there's more tumors, etc. So, at this point, after this, are you just like, ah, okay, great, that's a fluke, move on? Or did you aggressively look into ketogenic uh, way of life at that time or not until further diagnosis? Like, where did that come in? Keto came into my life a year, almost exactly a year after the second diagnosis and the treatment. But what started my path of like nutrition and holistic health was a documentary on Netflix a friend sent to me a couple months after I got back into riding in 2010 and it just, it turned into me Googling, you know, this nutrition piece every day and just, what was the documentary? Uh, it was called food matters and I haven't watched it in a while. So I'm not really sure if I agree with a lot of stuff. (laughs) We don't know if we, we we don't know if we'd push it at this point, but you learned some things. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely got to give them credit because whatever they did, the way they worded information just clicked for me. And I was like, I was in a fearful state because at this time I was very, um, I don't know the correct word, but I wasn't empowered to know I could make lifestyle changes to take control of my health and my life. So I was in a fear state of, oh, I don't want the tumor to come back. So this documentary really showed me that lifestyle choices, specifically your nutrition and mindset can really affect your health overall. And I was like, man, maybe I cause this or maybe I am going to cause it to come back. I don't want that. So I started making changes, you know, I, at the same time, I wasn't doing what I know now. I wasn't doing a lot. I was doing some stuff. It was good. It was a good start. But then moving to September 2012, a routine MRI at this point, um, just to check on the uh, the surgery, showed two areas had grown back. One in the front, the same part of the brain that the original tumor was located on, but one in the front and one in the rear, about the size of a blueberry or so. And my surgeon, you know, he recommended radiation. So wait, so let me interject. Is this the, is this your quote, second diagnosis, this one? Okay. So you went back in just routine. Like you didn't, were you, you weren't having any symptoms. You just went in for like a routine. 
Okay. Nothing. Yeah, I wouldn't have known. It was yeah. I was actually in India when I got the report back doing demos, and uh, I was like, you know, "Should I book a flight to come home now?" He's like, "No, no, don't worry about it." Let's He's just like, "No, go to an ashram and pray." Like that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, so with this diagnosed, the second dumb question, probably I know nothing about brain tumors, but was this part of the tumor they had gotten out? There was still some tissue of that tumor left, and it kept growing. Or these are brand new tumors. Yeah, they were residual cell growth because of the complications of that tumor wrapping itself around the artery and the optic nerve. Dr. Friedman said that he couldn't risk hitting either of them because I could have had a stroke, become paralyzed, bled out, or died right then and there on top of two other pages of risks that I had to sign off of because I was 21. Um, so he said it was just residual cell growth, so surgery was out of the question because the same risks are there, and it's just not not worth it at this point. Um, so he suggested radiation. I didn't like it. I went to Google. Um, some hours later, I found gamma knife radiosurgery, which despite the name, it's non-invasive. It's outpatient procedure. And in November of 2012, so about two months later, I went to Boston uh, to Tufts Medical Center and uh, had gamma knife performed. And for four years, those two tumors shrunk. And then since that four-year mark, they've just been stable ever since up until today. And actually, tomorrow, I go in for my two-year, uh, well, I guess we'll get to that, but I go in for my two-year MRI from the third diagnosis. <laughs> So, okay, so the second diagnosis is like two little blueberry residual from the first one. We don't operate, we wait and see. Was that the end result of that second diagnosis? Yes, except for it wasn't let's wait and see, it was radiation. And then that. And what was the type that you did? Because you felt not cool about his first suggestion. And so you went to Tufts and did what? I guess I think I didn't hear specifically how that differs from what the doctor had suggested. So, yeah, he suggested uh, traditional radiation. And I found a technology called gamma knife radiosurgery. Um, the best way to put it, from my understanding, is. It's about 180 degrees of different radio wave beams that they can target the area to treat via computer. And it, it just it doesn't damage surrounding tissues because they're a lesser degree of radiation. So when they meet at that you know uh, pinpointed location to treat, they are actually powerful enough to treat the area without damaging surrounding tissues. So if you ever did need to have that treatment performed in the same area again, you can have it done again without the damage of traditional radiation. So and there was like the the stuff I was researching showed no like virtually no side effects and people were back to their job you know the next day and so I actually drove back from Boston to North Carolina that that morning after treatment okay and then what happened from there so that's after second the second diagnosis you do the little radiation treatment and then what do they see the next time around? So the next follow-up MRIs, uh, everything checked out. They actually started decreasing after the first year. They started decreasing, but ironically, a friend gave me Dr. Perlmutter's book Grain Brain at the end of 2013, and that's when I was exposed to high fat, low carb, and then eventually when I got through the the second half of the book, ketosis was was mentioned quite a bit, and the protocol he gave was keto. And at the time, it didn't really it didn't really like stand out enough to where I was like, yeah, let me, let me, uh, implement this. Let me like learn more. And it wasn't, there wasn't, uh, like very specific information like there is today. And that he actually talks about, it was just, you know, a lot of these principles are going to be ketogenic friendly and it's a high fat, low carb, but the underlying mechanism that he talks about throughout the whole book stood out to me where it was, let's get blood sugar under control. Let's get rid of the starches, the sugars, let's get rid of the alcohol. Let's really, up our fat and lower our carbohydrates. And then 2014, I enrolled in the Institute for Health, um, Institute for Integrative Nutrition uh, health coaching program. And Mark Sisson was a guest speaker talking more about high fat, low carb. And Mark Hyman, Dr. Mark Hyman was there 
talking about the same stuff. And I was like, man. So I had already fallen in love with promoters work. And I, I, you know, right away was like, this makes sense. And thankfully I had the perspective of my brain and tumors, but, uh, their work just solidified my belief in Dr. Promoter's work. And then it just, I just kept combining it and learning more about it. You know, I eventually, uh, heard Dr. Dom on Joe Rogan's podcast right around when I had a third diagnosis. Okay. So let's talk about that. So when's, so you're, you're humming along and you're thinking, all right, stuff's kept at bay. It's all cool. Nothing crazy, no surgeries. And then where does the third diagnosis come in? So the third diagnosis was February of 2017. It was just a routine MRI. I had just finished on top of the world again in 2016 in the world series for BMX. I had had ACL reconstructive surgery in November, 2015, missed the first contest of the five stop series in 2016 Got third place, my first contest back in Croatia. Ended up tenth overall in the standings, even though I missed twenty twenty percent. Yeah, no, I was I was stoked. And the last contest was in China, so I got to go to three new countries that year. And then now February two thousand seventeen, you know, I got this partnership worked out with a, a sponsor, and I'm just like stoked for the year. I'm training and like just stoked. And then routine MRI shows two residual tumors that shrunk are still same size. They they shrunk. They're stable. Cool. Two new tumors are on the opposite side of the brain now, and they think it's it's a genetic disorder called neurofibromatosis, which requires a biopsy, which requires surgery and toxic chemicals in my body. So to me, it doesn't make sense. But that is what led me to be like, all right. So they're saying it's genetic. I know, you know, a little bit about epigenetics and keto can trigger this and inflammation and all these different things. So it's time, like I'm already at 100, 150 grams of carbs based on what I was learning from Mark Sisson and, you know, his uh, fat burning curve or whatever he calls it. And I was like, all right, let's yeah. stay there, high fat. So the next step was like, let's learn what keto really means. And that's when I found Dr. Dom's episode on Joe Rogan. That's when I started researching more, started reading more. I read, you know, Mark Sisson's Keto Reset Diet that came out that year. Year, um, got in touch with you know Dr. Westman and Ryan Lowry, read their work, and just got a glucometer. And I was like, let's see where I'm at. And then just dove in. And then a year later, MRI showed no progression of any of the tumors. And then tomorrow will be a two-year follow-up. But that's that's ultimately what led me to taking action with keto because it wasn't like the second diagnosis was enough. I mean, I feel like most people would be like, oh, maybe I should do something more about this. But the third diagnosis was like, all right, let's uh, let's kick this into gear, Josh. Let's like actually do something about it. I, I'm just, I just hope everyone listening is uh, shuts up about their broken nail this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm certainly going to shut up. No, you're amazing. I just really, I just, you're, you're, your will and your tenacity and perseverance is what usually does it. And I'm not surprised you found answers because you weren't willing to give up and be a victim. So I want to just talk to you briefly. So when you were doing the ketogenic and you're like, okay, now I'm going to really dive in. I'm going to go way below that 150, you know, like marker of, you know, the primal blueprint general carbohydrate curve, right? And go even lower, get into ketosis, get a glucometer. So what, tell us like, okay, cause that's a, that is a big difference. It was probably an easier transition. I'm not saying you had any difficulties. A, did you have any difficulties with that at first, like for the first couple of weeks? And then I guess my second question is, what did you notice that was different about your life? So 
I should say the first time I actually tried to go like, and I was ignorant to it. So I just was like, no carbs, you know, not even vegetables. Uh, and it was because <laughs> it was in 2016 towards the end of the season, a buddy of mine showed me, um, bulletproof coffee and was like, dude, you got to try this. You've been drinking coffee based on what you've been learning from Perlmutter, like just black with, or maybe some coconut oil in there, which it separates. So I wasn't blending it. He's like, try, try some of this. And I was like, all right, this is great. And then I, you know, he got me into the bulletproof uh, book and that's when I really tried ketosis, but I was mid-season, so the adaptation process I wasn't aware of, and it was miserable. And then I went back to eating sweet potatoes. I mean, still like paleo, whole foods, you know. Um, I was probably in and out of ketosis because of my fasting regimen that just felt good for me. So breakfast used to make me feel nauseous, um, and I was still relatively low carb. But um, that was the first time I tried it. But I didn't have a glucometer, so I wasn't even testing things. I wasn't, you know, I was tracking my macros and all that. I've been doing that for years. But um, it was 2017 after that third diagnosis where I was like, got serious about it. But I, I ironically, um, the sponsorship I had lined up failed, and then I ended up not competing that year. Which the diagnosis and then that sponsorship, actually two sponsorships that kind of fell off kind of destroyed me for a minute, but then... I was going to say, that's a big letdown because you're like, all right, I'm moving forward despite these brain tumors. I'm I'm still killing it. I was able to overcome it. And then you get get shot down on that. I can, I get it. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> my bike sponsor dropped me before the 2016 season and I had a great year. And then the next sponsor dropped me before the rate right before the 2017 season due to budget cuts for some dumb reason. Um, that's the whole story. And the, it was just like, all right, you know, that was after the third diagnosis. So I was like, what do, what do I do with this? You know, I don't, I can't afford to travel the world to compete to have to make first place to be, to break even, you know, like, it doesn't make, it's like irresponsible. I'm 28 at the time, you know, like that doesn't make sense. And, uh, so I was like, what do I do with this? And I remember the athlete recovery fund, which is a nonprofit 51 C three for action sports athletes. They helped me in 2010. They put my parents up in a hotel. They flew them out. They helped me with my medical bills after my health insurance. And they reached out to me like, Hey Josh, how you doing? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I didn't even, it didn't even budge me this time of like, Oh, why me? Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I wasn't feeling sorry for myself. I, I literally told them, I was just, when I got the the word and I like let it settle in and got home, I was like, how, what do I do with this? I'm not going to like complain, but like, how do I help myself, you know, and how do I help other people with this? And I think the combination of losing those sponsors and actually Dave Mirror took his life in 2016, which he was diagnosed with CTE, which is another reason why keto is close to my heart, that all oh. these things kept triggering me to look into ketosis more. But then I say off self on purpose, which is a quote my friend shared with me I love, that third diagnosis and all the events leading up to it really put me on purpose to help myself more, but ultimately share it with people, get really comfortable talking about keto and my life so that way I can relate to people in any manner and then help them. And so let's, let's go back a bit. I want you to <clears throat> tell us a little bit about CT is that is also the same condition that football players get in their heads banged around a lot get is that am i right yes yeah, so another great guest speaker when i was in the ian program was dr daniel amen and that's when i first heard about spec imaging and cte and then i saw the concussion movie will smith who played the role of the doctor that discovered it uh, but yeah okay. it's just you know it can be one head injury or you know repetitive and i mean i know over the course of dave Mira's uh, life he had a lot of concussions and then that's why i'm so passionate about keto and the effects that ketones have on damaged metabolism in the brain from concussions and tbis and things um and you know what i've learned from that but because I've had multiple concussions, you know, over my lifetime, not even just BMX, even before that, you know, I've talked to my mom quite a bit about being younger and having different neurological problems from headaches and head injuries. So it really, it really just makes sense to me. 
And then my, my, and I say this, like my, my journey, it wasn't a weight loss journey. That's not what led me to keto. It's my, my health being internal, Therapeutic. you know, it's, that's why I say like one of my totally uh, top three favorite things to share in which I share in my talks is number two, uh, health. I mean, there's no ranking, but the second thing I share is health is internal. It's not always what's on the outside or what's on the paperwork. Cause the doctors were telling me I was a picture perfect, you know, representation of health, you know, on the outside, but they never looked at my brain until I hit my head. So it's not just what's on the scale. It's not just what you see on the outside. It's internal. And that's really why I do what I do nutritionally and with, you know, my platform to share because it also, man, it's just crazy because uh, in June of 2018, my brother took his life, my younger brother, a week after he turned 26, took his life in the same manner that Dave Mira did. And oh, I'm so sorry. I, I'm so passionate about this because I'll never know and no one can ever say it. But if I had the opportunity with Dave and my brother Danny to really implement this and like get them to, um, you know, really see if it helped, you know, in any capacity, maybe they'd still be here. Maybe not. But that's why I share because it could save someone else's life or someone could hear this and share it with someone else that could benefit from it. That's right. Just your story of the headaches in the beginning and being kind of dissed by doctors is enough just for most people out there who might be having those symptoms to realize that they might need to press further. This is why we do this, right? This is why we share our stories because some tidbit that you say today is going to go save someone's life possibly. So I, I just, I love that. So, okay. So you got the third diagnosis and you're like, all right, shit, full keto. Like I'm going to, you know, really do mm-hmm. it. Um, what were some of the, again, like the, the, the good side effects that you noticed or was there any different or were you like, I feel the same? Um, usually people who go from even just standard low carbon to keto, it's a new level of some, some awesome stuff going on. Did you, did you notice any improvements? Yeah. So I noticed that I wasn't, you know, feeling tired as often in the late afternoons. Uh, I wasn't competing. So my riding schedule kind of chilled out a little bit more. So I think, already trying it before, already being high fat, low carb, the transition wasn't as rough as the year prior. And um, I think it worked out really well. And like the biggest benefits I noticed was just like liberation from having to cook six meals a day as an athlete and like the dishes that come with that and like the headache, you know? Uh, Oh my God, right? Like what a nightmare. Just the old paradigm of eating is like so stressful in and of itself. And then like Like, having to make sure I get enough carbs and keeping my protein up high enough because I'm running off of glucose and I need to make sure I don't metabolize protein for fuel. Like all these things, I was just like, man. And then the body composition obviously like improved without trying. That wasn't my goal, but like even my chiropractor was like, what have you been doing lately? And I was like, well, he, you know, went from high fat, low carb to like keto, like full on. And he's like, oh, you know, I'll tell you when Mark, when, when Mark did the keto reset diet and he and Brad did like full on keto for extended period of time, I, I, I went over to Mark's house and he's like, let me show you something. And Show me two photos of himself, both in front of the same door. You know, one he had taken in like 2009, shirt off, like in front of his bedroom door, in another. And I was like, he's like, do you notice any difference? And I'm like, yeah, you look more ripped <laughs> in the second photo. And he's like, I'm actually not. It's just that it, you get more cut and the muscle show. Like, you know what I mean? Because I was like, how is he more buff yeah. <laughs> than he was before? It's it's a little bit of an optical illusion with the keto, but really interesting. So I'm not surprised your chiropractor was like, are you doing some? <laughs> are you doing something different? Um, it's, it is really amazing, though, how that changes without um, without trying. And also, again, this was not the goal for you. This is about a therapeutic use of keto, and I love that you mentioned Dom D'Agostino. Um, he was on the podcast uh, uh, a little while back, and he's a wonderful resource oh, yeah. of people who are looking into things for uh, epi- epilepsy or you know brain tumors or um, 
other ailments as well, like cancer. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So you go, you go full on keto. You're feeling, you're feeling even better and great. Really? Was there a fourth diagnosis? Cause I don't know if I can handle this story. (laughs) Like I might just drop. I mean, I almost lost it at the event. So what the hell happened? (laughs) Yeah. So the third diagnosis was the last diagnosis up until today. Like I said, tomorrow actually, uh, in the afternoon is my two year follow up from the third diagnosis and we'll see how it's going. But uh, I'm pretty confident that it'll be, uh, actually, I'm really confident that it'll be the same. So no worries there. But I think what really, like I said, it, the third diagnosis and those different events taking place in my life really led me to be more on purpose with my life. And that it all forced me to figure out how I was going to pay my bills. And I was like, I am not going to get a job because I know one, I won't, I won't be able to sustain the lifestyle I have right now. Like, and it's just a normal lifestyle. I don't live a luxurious lifestyle, but I have rent and food for my, like I dropped out of high school, you know, like I'm not gonna be able to go get a job somewhere and be able to actually just make it work. Like, so I was like, what do I do? Well, I haven't really used this health coaching certification yet. I've been sharing all the time, getting people results, getting myself results, and an opportunity to perform in February of 2018 at a private mortgage company's annual leadership summit in San Diego. Um, my friend who does the performances that you saw, at all um, it's called All Wheel Sports, but you saw at Metabolic Health Summit, her name's Jill. She reached out to me. She's like, hey. We got this corporate gig, you know, it's a two-day gig. Uh, they, they they got this theme, uh, no limits, and they asked me about an athlete. I first instantly thought of you. Would you want to do it? I was like, yeah, of course. You know, I, I had really moved away from competition, uh, which was kind of not so much my choice, but it ended up being a choice. And then uh, doing demos, which was another way that we supplemented our income. And because I knew if I wanted a new result in my life, I had to make new changes. So I was like, yeah, this is a little different. I'll, I'll be down to do that. So the EVP of the company got on the phone with me and interviewed me basically. And we got to talking about nutrition and mindset and fitness. Because after I blew up my ACL in 2013 and then stubbornly rode and competed for two years, had the surgery in 2015, I got super passionate about fitness, um, of course. And so he basically interviewed me for a half hour and was like, yeah, do you coach? In my mind, I was like, oh, no, I haven't done that yet. But I just was like, yeah, of course. you know. And he uh, was like, all right, you're going to coach me and four other people leading up to the event. We have three months. And he's like, I want to drop 15 pounds. He ended up dropping 20. The other people dropped, like, I think one one dude went full keto right away, uh, loved it, read all the books I recommended, and he dropped like 40 pounds. You know, he looked great. And they all got great results. So I was there on double duty now, and I was performing and I had a booth set up, you know, free of charge as, uh, you know, the keto coach. And ironically, I was right next to who's now my good friend and business partner who was doing executive business coaching within the company. And we just felt like we had met, you know, 10 years ago and kicked it off really well. But that moment is what started me with my ketogenic uh, health coaching business. And I've been doing amazing things with people like, uh, you met Miles. I brought him out there on stage and I, I introduced mm-hmm. him, but he went from three to five seizures a day for two years of failed brain surgeries and uh, meds and drugs and all this stuff. He hit me up with his mom. They knew I'm not a doctor, but they just wanted help with this keto thing. And they've been following me for a while. Ironically enough, they, we found out that they live 40 minutes from where I grew up in Cape Cod. And he went from three to five seizures a day, sometimes seven, to uh, at that time at the Metabolic Health Summit, it was five weeks. He hadn't had a single seizure with just changing his diet. 
and I've had. Yeah, and let me let me check in there because this brings us back to something I do want to share with the audience because I did meet you at this event supporting the Charlie Foundation. So for people that are unaware of what the Charlie Foundation is, go look it up. But basically, it was founded by Jim Abrams, who's a very famous writer and director of films. If you are my age, then you're a huge fan of things like Airplane and Top Secret, Naked Gun, all of the great slapstick comedies and more. Um, and then they had a son who had. Uh, horrific seizures and no one could do anything about it. The mother, Nancy Abrams, she worked for tirelessly to find an answer. And they actually, uh, her, her husband wrote a movie about it called First Do No Harm. And it's about them finally discovering the ketogenic diet. And now their son, Charlie, who the foundation is named after, is a productive, you know, teacher's assistant at this point and, and living a good life. There were so many videos at the Metabolic Health Summit of people sharing. I actually talked to people personally, and I'm sure you did too, um, a guy who I'm going to be interviewing um, soon, whose daughter is six. She's been keto since she was five. Okay. So I'm sorry, since one, one years old. So for like five years, she's six years old. Um, she went from having multiple seizures to within the first 48 hours of go, going keto, like dropping to one and then none. So anyone who is out there who knows anyone who's epileptic, please look into work, uh, look into the Charlie Foundation and please look into the work of Dom D'Agostino. So I just, I really wanted to, to press that because they're a wonderful foundation and you mentioned seizures and that again is another incredible therapeutic use for keto. Exactly. And it's not a weight loss thing. I mean, he didn't really have much weight to lose and I mean, he obviously got benefit body comp wise, but his thing was trying to not suffer every day and being told like, Oh, like, you know, like we have another brain surgery. But then when he mentioned keto, the doctor was like, Oh, that's kind of radical. And I was like, <laughs> cutting your skull really? open. Like isn't, brain you know? pretty radical. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, it's just, he's still doing well, you know, his mom embraced the lifestyle and they're sharing it with people. And like, that's the, the coolest thing. It's like, even conversations like this, it's a ripple effect. You know, one, if just like five people hear this and decide to like make a change and share that with three people, you know, like that just spreads so, so amazingly. And then, you know, I, I've had friends and clients that are like off their type two diabetes meds now. They're, they're like, thank you, you saved my life. Cause like a doctor said I was about to have a stroke and I, you know, dropped all this weight. Now I can have that knee surgery or maybe I don't need that. Like all these things. And it's just like, it's such a simple thing. It's, it's food, you know, it's like, it's, it's not any rocket scientists. Obviously you can get complex, especially with like Dr. Dom's work, but at the end of the day, and it's like why I said I'm so passionate about this because anyone, if I can make the change, anyone can, and it could save your life. It could have saved, you know, people in my life. And that's why I do what I do. Cause I can't, I don't have the opportunity anymore, but people listening right now, it doesn't matter any aspect of your life that's going, how you say, you know, bad, you're alive and some people aren't. So you have the opportunity to make a change. And that's what the first diagnosis showed me about gratitude was being grateful that I still had a shot and I was going to take that shot. And I think that anyone in any aspect of life has that, that same ability and it's all about perspective. You know, I want to point out too. So the first doctor who was like, well, you're never going to write again. And you know, <laughs> like all of these wonderful declarations for the future. Um, you know, the same thing happens with lots of ailments like, uh, oh, well, you know, if the uninformed doctor, like you were dealing with a little bit, um, who didn't wasn't aware of keto, first of all, you have a little bit of experience now to show you through an MRI, MRI that what you've been doing is beneficial. That breeds more hope and faith. So I just want to share that with everyone out there suffering from something. There is hope from mouth to anus, what you do with your lifestyle and your diet that absolutely can help. And that's why I just really want to impress just not only Josh's work, but Dom D'Agostino, Charlie Foundation, 
looking into keto for these therapeutic uses, cancer, brain cancer, brain tumors, also just general, you know, epilepsy, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, so much. And just again, general preservation of the brain in general. So um, I, I want to ask you a couple of like emotional components to this. We talked a little bit about like, oh God, the beginning was probably brutal. Um, usually, and I've been been there myself, um, a lot of people have a lot of shame about it. Did you worry like, who's going to like, does anyone like me? Is that, you know what I mean? Like, did you have concerns about like your future with whether it be romantic endeavor? Like, did you have some shame about, Oh my God, I'm, I'm damaged. I mean, I'm, you may not now, but did you have any of that come up? Yeah. So the beginning, it was a sense of embarrassment to share. I was, you know, really resistant right. to sharing. Cause I was like, I felt embarrassed. I felt like I was broken. And, um, the moment I did share, which was via BMX interview before surgery, you know, so many people were just like, you know, thanks for sharing. Like that helped me at whatever aspect of my life. And I started to catch on. Um, but then thinking moving forward, you know, like, oh man, is someone going to be like, am I going to be able to have a relationship if they find out, you know, like things like that, it definitely popped up, but I've learned so many things around the mind, you know, since this journey, like it's, it's all about what you focus, you know, like your reality is just a manifestation of the choices we make, whether it's perspective or action, you know, food or, you know, gratitude and really focusing on the life that you envision for yourself, you're going to attract opportunities to create it. But if you think about the life you don't want, the same thing's going to happen. It's just, it's just how life works. And so, yeah, th- those, th- those thoughts did pop up. And I mean, going out in public for the first time without a hat on and the stable still in my head or, you know, the bandages and people staring at me, you know, I know what it feels like to have people stare at you now. Like, I've been able to relate to that. And it was, a you know, a very un, uh, traditional you know, route compared to what most people in society deal with. But, you know, I, I've been able to experience that. And it's just a matter, like I said, it's a matter of what you focus on. And I was able to learn that through a lot of uh, choice in trying to grow and learn how to move forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, today it's just, I mean, I'm just, I don't know, I feel like a normal person, you know? Uh, I don't really worry about it. I just try to worry about how I can help people with what I've gone through so that way maybe they don't have to go through it. Yeah, I want to, well, let's talk about the Athlete Recovery Fund. You mentioned it earlier, and I know you've teamed up with them, and they raise awareness and funds uh, for a nonprofit BMX wellness event called the Brainy BMX Stunt Shows. And that focuses on raising direct funds for direct patient care through education, sport, and faith. So anybody who's interested in donating, volunteering, or being a part of that, uh, reach out to Josh. I mean, we'll put all this in the show notes, but I want to mention it's joshperrybmx.com. Um, so I just wanted to mention that that wonderful uh, that you've teamed up with them. Let's talk about your health coaching business. How can we benefit from you? I'm sure you work with people all over the world, but how do you work? And um, tell us a little bit about how we can benefit from your experience and knowledge. Yeah. So, I mean, I work remotely, so I have some clients I meet with in person, some FaceTime, some just like audio, you know, so it's, you know, there's no excuses to uh, get the job done. But really, I just kind of distill all that I've learned and, um, you know, my my experiences and to help guide the client to where they want to go. You know, um, I specialize with a ketogenic approach, but I do let them know and I do ad- advocate for let's uh, let's work. Uh, let's work whole food paleo ish in in the picture before we go keto if you're you know still eating semi the way i used to eat uh just that way it's less stress and it's more uh, manageable but 
yeah, I just like to get people to really focus on their mindset around why they want to make the change, why they do what they do, why they're where they are now and where they want to go. And then really focus. Like I, I like to tell them like, all right, let's get the goal, you know, let's get that outline, but let's, let's create a, a an action, like a tactical action item plan that we can write down and see and commit to and forget the goal for, for now. But like, let's focus on the goal being the day, day in, day out action, you know, the work and what we're going to focus on. But like, let's make sure we're enjoying it because if it's not sustainable, it doesn't matter what approach you're trying to follow. It's not going to work. You know, it's not going to stay and um, really just try to make sure that the mindset around it being a lifestyle is there, you know, but for some time we got to be disciplined. We got to be structured to get where we want to go most efficiently and enjoyably. And then just kind of, kind of go thereafter. So I, I mean, I have clients that I've been working with for almost a year. They like the accountability and the brainstorming aspect of it. And they just like to know someone's holding them accountable for the goal. So they stay on track. They're very self-aware and that's perfect. You know, and I have some clients that we work with uh, three, together for three months and then they're like, all right, I got this. Uh, let me, let me go on my own for a little bit. And that's my goal. You know, I'm not trying to keep people on retainer. You know, I want people to, to learn and to share it with their loved ones. And that's been one of the most amazing things I've noticed is working with people one-on-one. They end up sharing it with their spouse or their mom or their brother or whoever it may be. And then they get results, uh, you know, indirectly just by picking up on the habits. And it's just such an amazing thing. That's incredible. And tell us, because we, you know, we didn't clarify this when you mentioned it, but you mentioned having a potential genetic predisposition uh, to tumors. Is what is that? Is there is there a genetic like? What's the alert for that for people who've done genetic testing to go check that out, or if they're you know suffering from this, what do they look into for that? Yeah. So it's, I feel bad, but then I don't like, I don't, I haven't researched much about specific tumors and genetics in that area because they tell me like, Oh, we don't know what you can do about it. And then I'm like, well, I'm learning over here that, you know, ketones themselves have epigenetic effects and inflammatory or anti-inflammatory effects. So they're telling me they think it's genetic, but the only way to tell is through a biopsy, which I'm not going to do because then they're telling me there's nothing I can do. So I'm like, well, if there's that's if that's your route, then I already have like a different route that I'm going to take and I'm taking it. So there's no point to cutting my head open to just figure out something that there's no plan around. So, um, right. And the plan would be what you're doing anyway. So I guess it's like, or, Hey, yeah. you know, we know this can work too. So, um, I was just curious if there was a specific test or something um, that was taken, but I forgot you mentioned the There is uh, genetic testing, biopsy but part. yeah, it requires yeah. a biopsy. So I just, I don't Let's see the point it. in it. I mean, or, yeah, so I mean, I don't know. It is what it is. They may suggest radiation or chemo or something. I don't even know if chemo would be an option. Probably not. But I, either way, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm going to do. And then I do know that if, you know, worst case scenario, gamma knife is always an option as a, um, you know, non-toxic alternative to surgeries or, you know, whatever. So there's, there's things, you know, there's tools and I'm just implementing them the best I can. And yeah, tomorrow we'll see how uh, it's going. What, what- not that you were like an ungrateful piece of garbage before this all happened, <laughs> but I'm sure that this experience has just increased that gratitude for being able to survive and be alive and help others. Um, what what would you say has been, you know, probably the most heartening or like the, one of the best experiences or part of this journey that you've had either with another individual or, or with yourself in some way um, that really stands out to you? Um. There's there's a lot. I, I think, you know, I think the first moment that I was told that I may die, you know, really, really changed my perspective on life. And then the events, you know, going through the, the journey until now, you know, I think 
I think they've all been learning lessons. This is my belief on life. Like, there's no good or bad. It's all just information. It's just you choose what to do with it and how how to navigate it. And like Jim Carrey said it best, like life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. But it's a choice to see it that way. It's you know we we have this choice every day. Um, so I don't think there's one moment that stands out anymore because I mean they're all so different and had a different effect on me. You know, like I think most recently my brother passing that that almost destroyed me. Like I went into another state of depression that I this it's an unfathomable place that I've never been and. Thankfully, a week after he had passed, I had a family, a father and son from Slovenia come stay with me for a month because his 14-year-old son, Yaka, uh, is a, is a um, you know, athlete of mine that I'm coaching for BMX and ironically got his dad on keto. But it had they not come and stayed with me that week later, I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. I was contemplating my own life and that's a dark place I've never been. But I think now getting past that and you know, that same perspective of like, all right, I'm alive. So my brother is not. And a lot of people aren't. A lot of people don't wake up every day. So being grateful that I can do what I do with the understanding that I'm trying to help people. I think that was probably one of the, I think that was probably the most profound event of my life to today. You know, like it, it trumped, it trumped, you know, the diagnosis and mirror passing, you know, as my, my little brother. So I think, like, I mean, if I had to say one, it'd probably be, you know, my brother passing that really showed me like, damn, like it, it's, it's, it's a miracle that I'm a living human being right now with all I've gone through. So, you know, let's, let's, let's foster gratitude. Let's, let's work that into my day to day going along with Dr. Joe Dispenza's work about, can you really feel grateful for the life you don't have yet? You don't know, like things like that, like mm-hmm. really a deep. Well, it just shows in your positivity towards the uh, updated MRI you're going to get. You're like, I'm not worried about it. In fact, I'm confident about it. That probably wouldn't have been the mindset from the very beginning, but you've gone through this and now you're like, you know what? I have some faith on some past experiences and I'm choosing to go with the positive. Exactly. Um, And some people might go, well, what if you're kidding yourself? What if you find out tomorrow? Well, then isn't that a better way to just go into it? Isn't that just a better way? It takes the same energy to think either direction (laughs) or do the hard or the easy things. So why do we choose the negatives? It takes the same energy, if not more, because if you dig yourself into a hole of negativity, it's harder to get back out than it was at the beginning. If you all right, choose to do the work. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do my meditation. You know, it's going to suck, but I'm going to do it. You're never going to regret it, but you're going to regret not getting out of bed one day. Like You're just staying there and not going to the gym or not going to work, whatever it is. So like, I don't, I get it, but at the same time, I just, I don't understand it. And that's why I share what I share because it's just such a waste of time. There's so much potential that I wasted and why I work so hard now. But I think that people just, you know, go day in and day out and they, they have all this potential to help themselves and the world and they don't. And it's just a choice. It's, it's really amazing too. I mean, I, I, everyone I've spoken to on the podcast, including myself and you, uh, who, have gone through some kind of awful health scenario and have come out the other side. It's so interesting because like you said earlier, I wouldn't take back those two physical ailments if you, if I could have the choice because what it brought me emotionally, spiritually, as you're talking about because of the experience, I, I, I don't know that I'd want to go back to the previous person who didn't experience oh, yeah. it because the growth was so exponential. And you know, that's what a lot of people say. And I know people go, Oh, that's, crazy, like breast cancer, how is that the best thing that ever happened to you? Hey, you learn who your friends are, right? You start to have a different outlook on life. You start to change your life and things about it. There are things that are so forward progressing and so positive 
if you choose to look at it that way and go down that road. And then there's people that don't and they become a victim and, you know, et cetera. And I'm not saying if someone's not been able to overcome a health challenge, they're a victim. It's just that, you know, it, it, it certainly is a, an interesting way to look at things. And I, I, I challenge the audience, if anyone's going through something, you are meant to go through this and you're going to find out at some point on the other end what, what that purpose is or what that's meant to be. And it may be confusing now, but you got to hang in there and have perseverance. I'm, I'm The only reason I'm even here uh, and had Mark Sisson publish my book is because of perseverance because I wasn't willing to give up. And, and same with you. So I, I just so appreciate you coming and sharing your story with the world, but also on our podcast. Um, what else would you like to leave our audience with today um it's just uh i guess my favorite thing to say it's the first tattoo I ever got and that's just fears as a thought and thoughts can be changed and it's it's seriously changed the way i look at life because fear is inevitable it's always going to be there and that speech jim gary uh, jim carrey gave just you know said it best like you choose how big of a role fear plays in your life and with bmx you know, we've learned how to harness fear and get excited about it. And, you know, there's so many events that's taken place in my life to like, let's, let's face fear, like public speaking. Like my dad says I'm crazy all the time for it, but I'm like, I never, ever would have imagined that I'd get in front of people and talk about whatever it was or answer questions. And that's like something I'm actively pursuing. And every time it's like a contest feeling with like the nerves and all of a sudden it doesn't matter if I went to the bathroom. Now I got to pee. Like it, it's the same <laughs> yep. thing, but it's, it's cool. Cause it's on purpose. And I, I, I know it's going to work out and I just, you know, I do my thing. So I think really people understanding and actually I want a cool little acronym I love sharing is it's called the tear method and it's uh, thoughts, emotions, actions, and results, or I like to say reality. And typically you can start with an emotional response like stress or fear or worry or doubt. But if you can trace that to your thoughts and change those thoughts, you'll get a new emotional response. It'll lead you to taking new action and you'll manifest a new result or a new reality. And Dr. Joe talks about this all the time. And I think that understanding and that, you know, that practice is, it's like, I call it like setting off that alarm system. That's step one, like being aware of your self-talk and your thoughts um, and really understanding that fear is just a thought and you can change those thoughts and you can change the outcome of your life. And I'm living proof of that. Um, personal life, business life, creativity, like all these things have enhanced. And like you mentioned earlier, like I'm so grateful for that moment in 2010 uh, and being told I was going to die because I was on a path before of, you know, like must be nice. Like, Oh, make, yeah. All, typical happens to me. Like just my luck, like all those things that are powerful and I didn't know it. And now I know a, a lot more than I did before. And I'm always learning. I never will stop as you know. And I just, I really love sharing that, you know, Fears is a thought, thoughts can be changed, and you can live a life that you never fathomed or you dreamed of and never thought it was possible just by, you know, choosing to uh, have a new perspective on your life. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's Dr. Joe Dispenza or Mike Dooley or who said it, but fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Yep. <laughs> I love that Oftentimes, one Oftentimes, <laughs> right? I love that one. Oftentimes when we have that, just check yourself. Is it real? Is a lion coming after you right now? Like, are you really in a state of true fear and danger? Or is this something that you're manufacturing in your head, a story? And I also love the fact that you mentioned the must be nice, because this happened one time where um, I was walking near the harbor where there's like these multi-gajillion dollar yachts, right? You know, I mean, you know, these huge... and. The person I was with at the time says something like, must be nice. 
And I said, you know, the fact that you said that means you're never going to get a yacht. You exactly. realize that, right? Like yeah. you will never, <laughs> ever manifest any abundance if that's your attitude towards people with money or the fact that they bought that, but whatever. So again, it's, it's very interesting. Um, or again, like just my luck, right? Yeah. Yep. You know, these are stories that will continually perpetuate. And I, yeah, I challenge everyone to take a look at, um, their thoughts and emotions. And again, boy, this has just been a advertisement for Dr. Joe Dispenza. <laughs> Everybody get out there and look into his work. He's so many free videos on YouTube. You can just watch, uh, him his talk TED about talks stuff. Is amazing as well. Yeah. He's God, he's one of my favorites. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show. I so appreciate it. And, you know, please check back in with us. We'd love to have you back on and um, let us know, you know, your progress and what happens. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. And like I said, it's an honor to uh, have connected and uh, to be on this podcast. It's such a, you know, it's like a dream come true. I, I'm always so excited to talk to people that I've met and look up to and that we're on the same page in life and just trying to help people. So I appreciate your time and the opportunity to allow me to share my story and, you know, hopefully change some lives in, in doing so. So thank Thank you. Our pleasure. Thanks again. And everyone, we will see you next week. Hi, Brad Kearns here with something different than a stiff commercial script message. I want to give you an authentic endorsement for one of my favorite supplements of all time. It's called Adaptogenic Calm. Used to be called Primal Calm. And the key ingredient in this formula is called phosphatidylserine, or PS, and this agent has been shown in hundreds of studies to blunt the catabolic effects of the stress hormone cortisol in the bloodstream that's released in response to all forms of life stress, whether it's a series of difficult workouts, extensive jet travel, personal stress of any kind. We're constantly triggering the fight-or-flight mode in modern life, and when people say, hey, you should take a chill pill, this really is a chill pill because when you consume an appropriate amount of phosphatidylserine and the other supportive ingredients that have been known to have a calming effect on the central nervous system, things like magnesium, L-theanine, magnolia bark, and rhodiola, you will get a calming effect. It's not like a stimulant product that makes you feel more energy and have a better workout, but instead this sort of takes the edge off of that stress buzz where you feel that foggy brain function, maybe a little shaky and finally fried at the end of a busy, stressful day. This stuff will help you clear your bloodstream from those catabolic stress hormones before they can do the damage. So I like to take significant quantities of it in and around stressful events, such as jet travel or in those heavy training cycles when you're really pushing your body and trying so hard not to fall into that overtraining, overstress, foggy brain function spiral downward. That's right, phosphatidylserine has also been shown to enhance cognitive function. It's commonly used in Europe on cognitive decline patients. And you can make that connection between when you're frazzled and overstressed and how your brain doesn't work quite as well. So this is a brain function enhancing, stress hormone reducing, secret weapon, adaptogenic calm. Look for it on primalblueprint.com.